Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'll start off by telling you about a beloved member of my family. That would be our 11-year-old fur baby, Emma. Emma is a Labrador mix, Labrador retriever mix, and she's been a part of Ashley and I's life and family from before the time that we were actually married. For a decade plus, she has been in our lives. And we would have hoped by now, after a lot of money, personal training and obedience classes that Emma would be the best behaved dog on the block. We had hoped and had, you know, had some dreams that, uh, like, for instance, when we go on a walk in our neighborhood or out in the country somewhere, that Emma, by either a snap or a voice command, could come to our hip and heel and just stay there and not be tempted to go run off or to attack anything or to cause some, some mayhem. <laughs> but in reality, we often have to put a leash on Emma. And she, she doesn't like the leash at all. If she's with a group of other dogs running around out in the countryside, she's normally fine. But when that leash comes out, if we want to try to control where she goes and if she won't return to us, she gets anxious and, and, she, and protective and she might get snippy towards some of those other dogs. And heaven forbid, if, uh, if some ducks come on the scene from the pond down the way or, or if a squirrel decides to run across the path, she, you have to do everything in your power with all your strength to hold that leash because nine times out of ten, she's going after that object of her affection. A lot of times we wish she would just follow, but in her mind, she wants to lead oftentimes pulling that leash so hard that she chokes herself. Now, Emma remains well-loved and a part of our family, but she also remains a work in progress that we hope will one day get to that ultimate reality that maybe one day she will be the best trained dog on the block. Well, as we consider these themes, in our walk with Christ, there is also an invitation to what it means to follow him, as we will see in our gospel passage today. Contextually, this passage continues in Matthew 16, right at, at the same conversation that we had last Sunday, as Jesus and his disciples have traveled to Caesarea Philippi, and there Jesus poses them the question, who do you say that I am? And it will be Peter that stands up with the, with the right and rewarded, seemingly from Jesus' answer, where he says, well, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And we see how Jesus reacts. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this has not been revealed to you by men, but by my Father in heaven. And on that answer, on that statement and confession that you just made, I will build the church, and you, Peter, will be a part of that. That see, can you imagine in that moment Peter saying, hey, other disciples, I'm the blessed one today, kind of rubbing it in their faces. I, I wonder if that type of thing actually happened. But as we will see, 
as the gospel will unfold, as we will look at both that as well as other parts of the life of Peter revealed to us in Scripture, we will see that there is an invitation to what it means to actually be a follower and a disciple of Jesus. That invitation and that process of discipleship will include desire. It will include denial and death and devotion as the ending up at the ultimate reality of destiny, of what it is to be a disciple that walks with Christ. As we consider the conversation now, two to two and a half years prior to that, Jesus has just met Peter and his brother by, by the sea. And at that point, they are fishermen, and that's the life that they, they have known and what they think will be the rest of their life until they are with Jesus. And Jesus first ushers the invitation to, to them there, follow me. And whatever happened, whatever the motivation was, a want or a desire to go see what this invitation to follow Christ, where it would lead and where it would actually take them, wells up within and they, they and the rest of the disciples will have that similar desire and they will come together as that group that for that two to two and a half year period that brings us up to the conversation today, they, were, they are gonna learn and have hands-on experience with Christ himself to, to just prepare them for what will happen coming up to Jerusalem at the cross and then ultimately resurrection. And as Jesus via the Holy Spirit will lead the church to them to, to spread it from there. From that desire that, that makes them look into that invitation to follow them, it leads to denial. Now, after the conversation we have today, there will be a denial, but not the kind Jesus is going to ask for in the gospel that we see today. As they will leave Caesarea Philippi and head to Jerusalem, we'll see as things that Jesus has, has been given over by Judas and will be tried there, and Peter is there. And it says part, part of the process of discipleship is a denial, but Peter gives the opposite of that. As Jesus is being tried, and maybe for fear of his own life that Peter and the rest of the disciples are next, a woman sees Peter and said, hey, there's one of the disciples that has been with him. And not once, not twice, but three times, Peter says he denies any relationship with Jesus. We are to deny ourselves. In that point in the, the life of Peter, Jesus Peter doesn't deny himself. He actually takes the easy in that moment, and I'd probably do the same thing if I was him, takes and says, I do not know him, denying Christ. Denial is a part of becoming a disciple. And then we have death. As we enter the heart of the conversation we see in the text for today, that right after that reward, and Jesus says, you, Peter, will be part of the of uh, what's going to happen. He actually tells them, well, this is how it's going to happen. You said I was the Messiah and the Son of God. Well, this is actually how that is going to unfold. That yes, I have come in the, as God in the form of a human and I will be handed over and I will have great suffering at the hands of the scribes, the Pharisees and the ruling councils and then I will actually die. 
but to rise again on the third day. He has just laid the, the plan and for the gospel and how it is going to go forth. But Peter and the rest of the disciples only hear the death part. And they have those emotions flood over them. Things are going so well right now. May this not happen to you. You don't have to die. There must be another way. This is when Jesus hits Peter with what seems like that very harsh rebuke. Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are focusing on the things of man and not on the things of God. I must go to the cross to pay for the, for the sins of the entire world. If I stay here, that won't happen. Death is part sacrifice is part of the invitation that Peter discovers and will continue to discover as he continues to learn what it is to follow Jesus. But then look at the life that he lived. As they go to Jerusalem, the things they experience there, and as Jesus appears to them in the resurrection, after the resurrection in the upper room, tells them to wait, and then a week later the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they are released into their, their ministry to for the church and the gospel message to go out. And Peter preaches one of the, probably the most powerful sermon via the power of the Holy Spirit that has ever happened at that Pentecost sermon. And then Peter will go to do many more miraculous things and he will go to his death crucified on an upside down cross to go and be with Jesus again and all of the saints. And today we remember Peter as the, the first pope or from where the line of all bishops come from. Look at where, how he was transformed from that fisherman that had a desire awakened in his heart to accept that invitation to follow Jesus through the ups and downs of it all to give that, that sermon message via the power of the Holy Spirit and then to be remembered as the church remember him, him today. It is only by the love, the grace, and the mercy that this type of transformation is possible. You may hear the story and you may say, well, good for Peter. And good for the disciples, as they would all go through that similar process, maybe in different ways. But that invitation is there for us today, even as well. It's not just for clergy or for seminary students or for theologians or missionaries. It is for everyone. But my question to you is, are you more of a fan of Jesus? Liking some of the things he said, maybe some of the things that he does, some of the fruit that comes from a relationship with him. Are you a follower of Jesus, a fan or a follower? Well, look in our own lives, how this process continues to play out and what it means to follow Jesus as we mature across this journey, our faith journey of life into being disciples of his. It starts probably for all of us in some sort of uh, awakening or desire. Where for me, I, I can remember early on, I was baptized and confirmed into the church, but I remember one of those desire moments for me in fifth grade, sitting in chapel in Episcopal school, and I heard the preacher of that day say, you can have everlasting life. And I actually thought, not fully comprehending what it meant, but I thought, I don't have to die. 
I can live forever. Sign me up. That was one of my first desire. Aha. I want to accept this invitation moments. For all of us, that is probably very different, but God can use several different things or circumstances or motivations in our lives to bring us to that moment where we desire to accept that invitation to follow Him. As we grow into that, we learn, as in it says in verse 24, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, to deny self... For Peter, we saw what that was in a moment and how he actually chose himself rather than denying himself. For us, in this day and age, we often can do the same thing. We are supposed to, to reject the self-importance and putting ourselves in positions to take advantage, maybe other over people. Everything that is self, we are supposed to reject it is the rejecting of independence and becoming dependent upon that something larger than us, the Lord and Savior, to do that work in our lives. It is if we are sitting on the throne, ourself, and instead of what, what we do is to remember at Lent, instead of taking things, uh, like giving things up for ourselves, we are actually supposed to walk away from ourselves, remove ourselves from the, from the throne of our lives and place Christ there if we are to be following him. Denial, self-denial is, is part of it. And then that takes us to sacrifice, to death. As we hear, deny yourself, take up your cross. Now that means the, the cross to us is the symbol jewelry and, and we know it's Easter. You know, maybe some Good Friday mixed in, but, but to them at that time, a cross was a symbol and an instrument of death that you physically would die upon. That's what it means as part of the invitation to follow Jesus. He went to his cross and to follow him means we must also die in a way and then rise again as Jesus did. If we want to know what it is to follow him. You can see how with, with Peter, oftentimes it is easy to choose the comfort or saying that, no, we don't have to face that. We can do it the easy way. But in the Christian life, as you mature and put those deep roots of foundation into it, you can see that death and sacrifice are part of the invitation to follow Christ and the process of discipleship. But as most of the world thinks and believes death is the end. But for the Christian, for the follower of Christ, death is just the beginning. Like Peter, maybe for some of us, we will have the opportunity and there is opportunity to die physically for being a disciple of Christ. But oftentimes in our lives today, that means a dying to ourself. Part of that self-denial where we realize, I need you, Jesus. I can't do it all in my own power. I will often choose those times of comfort in going that way. And life begins. Death to life 
as we experience the resurrection in that process of discipleship. And from there, we live that life of devotion and the fruits of being a disciple from our relationship with God. They, they don't save us and we don't do it in our own power, but we begin to do in living a life of sacrifice and a life of service as we grow as disciples of Christ to ultimately reach our destiny that one day we will no longer know the brokenness of this world, but we will be fully redeemed to see the full revealed glory of God where we will be there with him and the saints that have gone before. This is the process of discipleship and how it's not a, you reach this stage, this stage, this stage, and we wake up every day and begin this process as we continue to be sanctified by the finished work of the cross. My prayer is that you would know and move, if you find yourself in being a fan of being a follower of Jesus, to actually being that follower and that disciple. May God continue that work in your life. All praise, honor, and glory be to our Lord and Savior who takes us on this journey and invites us to know him fully. Amen.